0: Part two of government interventions in the United States. Stick around, I'll be right back. Hey, peeps, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment and just help us grow the family. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's get into this. What is going on, crypto family? So welcome to part two of our quick and dirty series on government interventions here in the United States. When we talk about government intervention, two big questions come up first. Is it necessary? Second, does it tend to make things better or worse over the long haul? In the last video, you know, we covered the New Deal. The New Deal was FDR's way of boosting a crippled economy and things did improve a lot afterwards. But back to our two questions, was it necessary? We can say for sure. Well, I guess we can't really say for sure, can we? Everyone has different theories. The New Deal has quite a few supporters, as well as many people who think it was a point in history in which our country kind of started down the wrong road. The thing is, we don't have a way to go back in time and see what would have happened if we didn't have the intervention. Did it make things better or worse? Again, there's all kinds of theories on both sides, but we have to look at all that was going on at the time. Things definitely improved. But prior to the New Deal, we were in the Great Depression. So it's hard not to move up when you're already at the bottom. There's typically nowhere else to go, right? Good or bad? This event set the course for the future. It also set a new precedent for government economic interventions. In the previous video, we also covered the Truman and the United States Steelworkers and how the president used the powers of his office to seize control of private industry. If you watched our last video, you know that I left off with a little teaser. Before Truman intervened with the Steelworkers during that strike, another president got involved in a labor dispute and actually used military force against US citizens. This all went down in 1894. The president was Grover Cleveland. And what started out as a labor dispute about how wages got way out of hand, The Pullman Palace Car Company in Illinois was a huge manufacturer of luxury railroad cars. One day, workers walked out to protest their low wages. Now, you have to remember, this was in the 1800s. The railroad was a huge industry and was really vital to the way of American life at the time. If the railroad stopped operating, then it would impact travel, communication, and a lot of industries that relied on the railroad to get things from point A to point B. It was this fear of what could happen that led to the government intervention to end the strike. Cleveland didn't initially get involved with the strike. What really got things moving was the involvement of the American Railway Union. When negotiations failed, the strike continued and the Railway Union sided with the workers in their protest against Pullman. The Railway Union had a little more leverage and essentially was able to turn what was a labor dispute in Chicago into a national issue. Before I get into that though, we really need to take a look at what the conditions were to start the whole thing. Workers were protesting low pay, but it was really more than that. This wasn't just about people demanding a raise. These workers were protesting changes that had been made which included up to 30% cuts in pay, significantly reduced staff, and increased hours worked. Basically, they were forced to work more and earn less. Pretty understandable to walk off the job, right? Well, unfortunately, these people relied on Pullman for their livelihoods. They couldn't just go get another job. In fact, most of the workers lived in a company town just outside of Chicago that was pretty much a labor camp owned by Pullman. It's like if you work for your own landlord, right? And they cut your pay while raising your rent. That's pretty messed up, right? Well, it's why the American Railway Union took action to support the workers which ended up with a boycott of Pullman cars. A real short explanation is that the union essentially created a massive traffic jam by refusing to move Pullman cars until the company agreed to negotiations with workers who had been ignored up until that point. A man by the name of Eugene V. Debs is considered to be the leader of the boycott and was actually extremely influential in turning this into a national issue. Debs created a lot of forward momentum for the cause, but that is just part of what brought the hammer down from the federal government. Now, the railways were vital to the way of life at that time, and the boycott tied up everything. In addition, some protests turned violent, buildings were burned, and a U.S. mail train was derailed. President Cleveland argued that the protest disruption of the mail system made it a federal issue, and that's what gave him the authorization to use military force. The president deployed armed forces to basically get the trains moving again. This led to a big increase in violence and destruction in the protests in several deaths as protesters clashed with the military. The protesters ended up on the losing end of this one. With the use of governmental powers, the momentum was reversed. The union was disbanded. Eugene V. Debs was sentenced to six months in prison and the railroad and the federal government both incurred heavy financial losses. So again, with all this government intervention, was it necessary? Was the result good or bad? Public opinion at the time began to sway more towards the government because of the violence and disruption associated with the protests. While it might sound crazy to think that people would support armed government officials using force against protesters engaged in a labor dispute, the perception was more that the government was putting an end to a riot that threatened peace and safety an interesting question though does it matter whether a labor strike is peaceful right or wrong or what have you is it a matter that the federal government should be involved in while the pullman strike and government response is kind of an extreme example it has a lot to do with many basic principles that we talk about on our other channel no matter what you think about these events of the pullman strike and how everything went down one thing we do know is that this was a defining moment in government intervention which set the stage for a lot more blurring of the lines between the public and the private sector for years to come. The whole point of these videos is to look at government intervention in terms of how has it affected American business, the economy, and how things have evolved over time. A lot of what I've talked about so far has been laying the groundwork for a discussion about where we are today and how the government actions have impacted us in ways that we may not have thought about before. Now that we got this history under our belts, for the next video, I'm going to kind of jump ahead in time and get into some of the interventions that really set the stock market on a crazy roller coaster ride. Talk about some of the decisions that were supposed to stabilize the market but failed to do so while sending it kind of into a death spiral instead. What pulled it back out? Well, what threatened to send it back down again? Hmm. All of that and more in our next video. It's gonna be a good one. So I would love to hear your thoughts about all of this. What do you think about the US federal government and hijacking private enterprise at their will? Is big government a good or bad thing for the economy? What are some possible implications to the idea of having a capitalist country if the government can essentially take over an entire industry if they deem it necessary? Hey peeps, just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is a co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading New Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money. So always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the fam. God bless you. Love you. And I'll catch you all on the next one.